Today's episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And if you haven't heard, they have just released two brand new products. Tortuga now has a set of packing cubes and they also have a Tortuga Day Pack for sale over at tortugabackpacks.com. So if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know I am a huge fan of my Tortuga backpack and everything that those guys at Tortuga are doing to help make travel better. They now have a regular backpack. They have a Tortuga Air backpack, a Tortuga Day Pack, and packing cubes. Check all that stuff out there, guys. I have all four things. I love all of them. Tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and that will get you 10% off your entire order. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 184. If California were its own country, it'd have the seventh largest economy in the world. That's a lot of avocados, sourdough bread, and wine. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Jim Piquel, president and CEO of HomeExchange.com. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, you're going to want to do that. In part one, Jim discusses how travel can become a core value in your life, even if, like Jim, it wasn't back when he was younger. He also talks about how home exchange works. We dive into the nitty gritty of what a home exchange looks like, why it works, why so many people love it, how you can travel like a local, and also some of the listings that are available through home exchange. And that's going to surprise you because there are some really, really cool properties out there. So you can listen to part one on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Jabbercast, on any of the podcast directories. Of course, you can also get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can check out part one there. You can also check out all of our old archives, 180 plus shows we have now done. So you can check all that out when you get the time. If you're Jonesons for more travel podcasts, go check that out, guys. Right now, I want to dive into part two of my interview with Jim Piquel. Is there a certain region or area where you guys see more growth? Or is there a re- like, you know, 150 countries? So obviously you're, you're across the map um, and there's opportunities everywhere. Are there places that you see really blowing up recently? Are there places that tend to have more home exchanges in general? Talk to that a little bit if people are interested and they're worried like, well, I want to go to this area, but I doubt anyone has a home exchange in... Uh, Buenos Aires or something like that. We literally have homes 
all over the world. I mean, I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say I don't know how many countries there are in the world, but we have homes in over 150 countries. And it's super interesting when you start looking at areas and trying to figure out, well, why is this area growing right now? Or, or why is the ratio of members we have per capita higher than somewhere else? And it's great cocktail conversation around the company I'll give you an example, Iceland. The per capita membership we have in Iceland is higher than anywhere in the world. I think it's higher than one in a thousand citizens of Iceland. And ultimately, when we try to dissect this, what we what what I see, and this is even a debate internally, it's usually somewhere that people for seasonal or other reasons they love to travel. And if you take New Zealand or Australia or Iceland, places people at some point in the year they want to go and travel and see somewhere else. They're usually progressive thinkers. Uh, They usually have access to good technology and bandwidth because if they have none, uh, as (laughs) last week we had the first person in 10 years that wanted to join that didn't have an internet connection and they wanted to figure out a way to print exchanges out. Uh, But for the most part, we rely on the internet now for our service. A lot of our people are very uh, oriented in their community, very, very involved in their community. They tend to look at more westernized travel expectations. You know you've lived in Japan. That's developing, but not as quickly because just the whole way they run their household. They don't have a lot of storage. You have to take your shoes off. The the English isn't really a strong second language. But the, the areas we've seen include places like Iceland, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Thailand. Canada is really growing, and Canadians are a huge group of snowbirds that love to travel on a budget. Uh, you know, and they've been going to uh, Miami and Santa Fe and Mexico for years, and they're extending their reach, so to speak. So there's a lot of exciting areas around the world. We've got all the the major ones covered pretty well. I think uh, New York, London, Amsterdam, uh, Paris, Los Angeles are uh, among our top five big, you know, those are the big cities. But to me, some of the most exciting areas to visit are uh, down the difficult roads, a little harder to get to. Um, That's where I see some of the most interesting opportunities. And you've seen quite a bit of growth then in the last couple of years, correct? Yeah. So from a membership perspective, we've doubled in the last, our, our number of listings has doubled in the last three years. And that's pretty major shift for a 23-year-old company. Uh, one of the things we did is we eliminated, we used to have a three-month membership and we had a lot of churn in that. We had people come in, they didn't really get the concept and uh our feeling is we're we're really about being a community and we want people to stick around and grow as as part of that community and so you know our growth actually slowed down a little bit by eliminating that three-month membership uh but we think it was the right decision to encourage people who were gonna stick around for a while we're growing at a nice pace but we're not prioritizing growth over the quality of our members and that's paramount to us is to continue to attract really good committed members that adhere to the 
code of etiquette etiquette that uh, we we promote. Yeah, and I think the growth in these shared economy things that we've seen booming, you know, with Uber and Airbnb and all the you know house sitting, house ex- uh, home exchange, all these things are happening. I think because as more people, you know, three years ago. People didn't know other people who did Airbnb or home exchange. You know, it was very, very foreign concept, I think, to a lot of people. And I think as you, it, it almost increases exponentially because as someone does it and then has a good experience, you know, maybe they tell three or four or five people, their neighbors or a book club or whatever it is, right? Whoever their little circle of influence is. And then maybe two or three of those six people go and try, you know, and it just spreads. And I think that. That's what's been really cool in the travel industry in the last five years is that now we have so many options and people are seeing that it's not weird or scary or or anything like that because they're seeing other people that they know doing it. And so it's gone from being like a fringe type thing to being almost mainstream travel. I mean, I know almost as many people who will go and do Airbnb or or a home exchange or a house sitting, these type of things versus a hotel. And I think that's a really neat thing because it's almost happening organically. Like the word is spreading that way because more people are doing it and they're like, wow, this is really amazing. I think with home exchange and stuff, if you set it up to to prioritize this this quality and, and making sure they have a really good experience, you know, that's just going to spread on its own because who doesn't want to go and, and stay in someone's home and have a great experience like that? And obviously, like we've talked about, have it be cheaper than staying in a hotel. The other interesting element is that not only is this an alternative, but it's one people prefer. And I don't think they just prefer it because it's more cost effective. I think they they really have a strong preference for it. And we've seen a direct correlation as the Airbnbs of the world grow and the couch surfing grows to uh, people migrate and they find the right fit. And it's not that they just fit one. Uh, they, they have different needs for different purposes, whether it's a business trip or with their family or last minute and whatnot. Uh, but I think some of the biggest challenges that the, the, the growth has caused is ensuring that you maintain that community and, and the trust and the safety and the quality of the membership that, that you maintain that. And uh, we've really prided ourselves on that. And some of these alternatives, they're tremendous businesses, don't get me wrong. I think the, the explosive nature of the growth has made it more and more challenging. We're trying to manage our growth so that we don't have that specific problem. When you're doing that in 150 countries across, we, we have global service in 15 languages, 24-7, 365, you know, through live chat, email, and, and our, our phones aren't up 24-7, but just nearly to maintain that level of service and quality. In fact, people's service levels for these businesses is increasing. Uh, that's always a challenge, right? That's something we're, we're committed to providing for our members, and I think that's the reason that we have a lot of members that were with us back in 1992 when we started this. When everyone was printing out home exchanges. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what is the process that someone follows? Because again, like I, I've never done the home exchange because we haven't been able to have a home to exchange in the last five years. 
if someone was to say, all right, this is awesome. Like this sounds right up my alley. I, I would love to have someone stay in my place. I'd love to check out what's out there. What is the actual process that someone goes through then from when they start to kind of when they actually go and, and stay in someone else's home? Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we do run our business a lot like a membership club and, and the, the co- it, it, it's very cost effective. So in U.S. dollars, it's 150 U.S. dollars for a year of unlimited exchanges for someone like me that typically does 60 to 90 days a year easily. Um, you, you, you can do the math. Yeah, it that's saves me quite a dollar twenty five a night <laughs> or yeah. something like so that. So it's a, it's a good deal. And a lot of the homes are pretty nice. Um, and getting started is pretty easy. You sign up, you create an account. We do have a, a, a proprietary algorithm and other security checks we run and verifications, including things like LinkedIn and Facebook. So uh, you, you, you sign up for membership and you create a listing and a profile. The more pictures you have, the more you tell about yourself, the more activities you add to our map, the more powerful your listing is. We have a global service team. Like I said, you'll, a little pop-up shows up immediately. These are real people. Everyone at our company around the world are home exchangers. They all have a home for exchange on the site. So they've been through this before and they can give you guidance and help if you want and they can help you get your listing up. If you can't figure out how to get your photo up, they're there immediately. There's no queue. You know, people are always shocked and pleasantly surprised that we haven't outsourced this to some country to someone that doesn't speak the language or doesn't understand what a home exchange is. And then you can do one of two things. Um, either you can sit back and play the lottery and it's really fun. Uh, I'll, I'll say one of three things. Um, a lot of times I'll be upstairs working and my wife will say, you got to see this one. You know? <laughs> and I'll come down and, and she'll have on the screen. You asked earlier on some of the amazing listings that are on the site and some I've been to. There are many I haven't been to that are literally on my bucket list. And they may be in Vietnam or uh, in Africa. Uh, so Probably within 24 hours, if I'll take you, for example, I haven't seen your home, but I'm highly confident within 24, 48 hours, you'll start receiving inquiries. And and it's a lot of fun. You're playing the lottery at that point. If you want to target somewhere, and let's say uh, we're seeing a big growth in last minute travel, but usually uh, if you take the Europeans, a lot of them have a big chunk of time off in August. January, February, March, they are booking that. They are planning that. They are buying the tickets. They're sending out their inquiries. That's about the amount of time uh, because they want to get the best flights and really lock their summer plans uh, for their family. If you have a specific destination in mind, uh, usually I'd recommend write a really nice introductory email about who you are, who your family is, because this is personal to people. They're, They're opening their home to you. That's important. And then be a little flexible. About six months ago, we introduced our collections. And instead of searching to say, uh, I want to go to Hunter Mountain in New York to ski, and I want a two-bedroom chalet within walking distance of a slope, we now have collections that target different demographics and passions. So skiing's one. I think we have 35, 4,000 
ski chalets around the world, you can sit back, you can beam it through your Apple TV up on your TV, sit on the couch with your family, don't even look where it is and just dream, right? And flip through. And I can guarantee in a couple minutes, you'll have places you'll say, I would do anything to go there, right? <laughs> Before you even know where it is, right? Right. So that's a really fun way for the more adventurous. Uh, you can use our collections to browse or you can search and uh, everyone has their own magic ratio of how many inquiries they need on average to secure an exchange. And a lot depends on where you're looking. So if I'm in Southern California and want to go to Big Bear Mountain, that's two hours away, probably pretty easy. You know, I'm pretty confident if I sent 10 inquiries through a bulk inquiry that I would have a response, someone that lives in Big Bear that wants to escape in the winter and go down to the beach, right? And when I use my second home that is in Baja, California, so, you know, I got to work a little harder and send a few more. It's remarkably efficient uh, and it works. And it, I it, probably the if we had an internal tagline that's not part of our branding, the internal tagline we have is it works because constantly when anyone at the company is traveling and they secure an exchange they're excited about, they forward pictures of their exchange to others at the company and the subject line is it works. It the, the, the point is, it really works. And if you can't find an exchange in your first year, we give you a second year for free. I would be just about shocked that anyone has been really committed to finding an exchange and has been unable to. It's just because it works. Yeah. And so after you make those inquiries and, and you know, you hear, I'm sure you hear back from them. Yes, no, this date doesn't work, whatever it is. Do you hop on Skype usually and, and chat with them and kind of go over, you know, what they expect, what you expect? Um, what's like the, I guess the closing of the actual, you know, all right, we're going to go from this inquiry to now it's going to be like, we're, we're going to do it. They're going to come to my house. I'm going to go to their house. Sure. So let's go back to the, my first date analogy. What would you want to know about someone before you went on a first date? Right. And, uh, yes, absolutely. We we're, we're big advocates of Skype, I'm probably on Skype six hours a day. Uh, it doesn't need to be a long call with a couple simple questions. A lot of times, uh, you know, I, I tend to err on the side of video Skype. I like to see facial expressions and, you know, you ask a couple questions, the, the way your instinct works, all of the proprietary algorithms and verifications and, uh, Everything we build in into the system, your your instinct, it, it, it's amazing that that's now coming back into play. How powerful that is! Yep. Uh, but uh, and I'm not saying there's a risk. I'm saying there's a feeling that there's a fit though, and and more and and I'm always blown away at how much in common I have with my exchange partners because you know I don't want a, a, a 13 rocking chairs in in the living room so to speak I I have an active lifestyle and I want the home to feel child friendly but a couple questions where you look someone in, in the face and before I joined the company my wife said to me you know I'd exchange with uh, our second home but I would never exchange my primary home and that was probably 16 primary home exchanges ago because we got on a Skype call, and it was the head of the economics department at, I think, the Sorbonne uh, uh, University in France. 
and we were on a call and they had their family and we are our family and we hadn't done it with our primary home and said, you know, I, I run the economics department at the Sorbonne and they had their iPad and they were showing us their home. They said, we're taking a year, I'm taking my year sabbatical and I want my kids to speak English fluently. They're taking it in a French school and it's not the same. And they walked us around their house. And by the end of the call, we realized, and my wife said, you know what, I could, <laughs> I could do that swap with them. And it wasn't for a year. They wanted to travel around. And she had that epiphany that these are people just like us, having the same concerns as us. They're sizing us up and saying, well, you know, um, hey, what are we going to do with the underwear drawer, right? Right. <laughs> and, and I think... You get over that. Yeah. And, and you kind of... I think you're looking at it as like, oh, man, someone's going to come into my home. Yeah, you should realize, too, like you're going into their home. I th- You're right. Everyone is on even footing at that point because you both have apprehension and reservations and it's your own stuff and you're, you know, you're, you're, you might be worried about this and that. And I think that is a, the difference between when someone is coming into your home and renting it, like you mentioned before. And, you know, we've done Airbnb, we've had great experiences, we've done Go With O, we've done all types of apartment rental companies and we've always had really good experiences, but it is a little different because I'm paying someone and I'm going into their home. So then you're not really on even footing. I mean, you, you are in one way, but it's not that you don't have the fear. Like I don't have fear that someone's going to come into my home and mess it up. I, I just have fear that I'm going to come and pay $100 and it's not going to be nice, which is a, probably less of a fear than someone coming into your personal things. And I think that's, that is what's so interesting about the exchange part. And I think that's really neat that your wife said she wouldn't do the primary home. And then you get on and you just realize that yeah, these are people and they have the same fears that I do. And then, you know, it's really easy to, to kind of instinctually, like you said, get a feeling and get a read on someone. And I think that w- would that be your suggestion? Because the, the other question that I had was if someone is just starting out, you know, what are the things they can do to try to make sure they don't have a bad experience? I, I mean, obviously, bad experiences are going to happen here and there, no matter what type of company you run and, and how great it is 99% of the time. What are some things they can do though, if they're brand new to say like, like what are the questions they can ask or what are the things they can do to, to make sure their home gets taken care of and then they get into a place that, you know, is going to fit what they want too. Yep. So, uh, always that Skype call is a real game changer and asking, I, I ask a few open-ended questions. How many exchanges have you done? Uh, as a new exchanger, I'd want to disclose that, uh, but I'd also probably want to, uh, I'd, I'd be more inclined to find a veteran exchanger because they've been through it before and they actually, uh, a lot of them, I will say, really enjoy bringing a newbie on board and helping them through the experience and making sure it's a good experience. And I ask them, you know, have you ever had a bad experience? What happened? And you know, usually it's, well, so-and-so broke my glass or something like that. That was the worst and it was no big deal. Um, but I, I, I ask these questions and, and uh, I, I want to get a sense of how deep into the community they are. Uh, but just to give you a few others, uh, really take the time. Y- you'll see in our community that, that people are very hospitable take the time to pr- do something like prepare a city guide of the musty visits that are not, you know, the don't go to the bookstore and buy a Zagat guide and leave it there. 
people want to know who you are, right? And what you prefer and uh, uh, how you spend your day. So if you have a favorite place to go or you run the stairs in Santa Monica to get in shape or whatnot, that's why they're involved. So um, spend the time with that. Uh, Ask questions like, when do you get in? And uh, a lot of times if I tell people we're getting in at 11 or 11.30, uh, they'll leave a little something because they know I'm not going to have time to go to the supermarket. And it's never expected, but those are the little touches that really build a bond. And a lot of people, even if they don't overlap, uh, I, I'm really pleasantly surprised with how many of them end up being friends later and meeting later and you know developing friendships. Make a little room in your drawers and closet. You know, No one wants to show up and have and, and, and make it clear as to if you have boundaries, you know, I put a big giant sign on my personalized mountain bike. This is mine, you know, do right. not touch. Right. So have clear boundaries. Uh, I just for really clear communication, all any valuables that I don't want to have broken or, you know, the, uh, sometimes we use a cleaning service when in, in between people exchanging, if we're not there, I don't even want to think about it. So we move those to somewhere in the house and we lock up a room or, or move them. Never had a problem, but we just do because God forbid that I misplace something, uh, before we leave. And then I get back and I can't find it. You don't want that thought going through your head. It's, it's not, pleasant. Um, I just found my, my wife just found her misplaced engagement ring. Uh, she misplaced it for five years and you wouldn't believe all the names that were associated with who took it, right? Contact information, emergency numbers, you know, people need to know how to get a hold of you. And, you know, if a pipe breaks, what are they supposed to do? And your neighbors is a really important one. I think there's a heightened sensitivity especially in cities where people are living in each other's personal space with the peer-to-peer rentals. Let your neighbors know what's going on. There's a real difference with home exchangers, I think, and there's a higher quality. No one's home exchanging for their spring break, so to speak. Um, you know, <laughs> for they don't have week. a home to exchange usually, right? Yeah, the people I, 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 I shouldn't say that because there are families that are doing it, kids traveling, but they're really high quality. Right. So. Uh, uh, the, the, those would be some highlights to ensure a smooth home exchange. Yeah. And then do you, while you're home exchanging, do you generally speak with, like if it's simultaneously, if you're at the at their place and they're at your place at the same time, do you generally hop on a call with them? Is that every week, every couple of days? Do you just let it go? Is there kind of something that you figured out that works best where you're not intrusive, but you're staying in contact? I always check in and uh, the not, well, usually the first night or two and then probably, you know, four or five days later because I'll hear if anything's going wrong. And the other thing I'll do is I'll always ask a neighbor to check in. And what's even one better that a lot of us do at the company, if we know there are home exchangers in our area, let's say someone inquired for Newport Beach and I couldn't accommodate them. And I know they'll be there. Uh, so whether it's a neighbor or someone, I'll stop by and or have a neighbor stop by uh, and invite them to a local barbecue or a local event. And I'll try to introduce them to people. And I think those three hours of their trip, if you get someone coming from 
Bali or, or uh, Cape Town and they're in Newport Beach and they don't quite know how they got there and they have the opportunity to just spend a barbecue with someone from the United States, let's say, that's one of the highlights of their whole trip. And, and I think we all discount that and think, well, they want to do all these things. It's really not true. That that's the piece they're going back with, and they're going to say, you know, hey, hey, Bob, you're not going to believe this. I met this person from so and so, and you know, and and then you get these uh, emails from all over the world, and it's a little, again, a lot more efficient. But it's like having pen pals as a kid. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was uh, Odele, uh Hurricane Odalay hit Baja, the biggest hurricane in 50 years last season. And I ran out through peer-to-peer rentals, and I'm also on home exchange. And I, after that hurricane, I got seven emails, every single one of those. And I've probably rented the place out 10 times more than I've exchanged it. Every one of them were from home exchangers wow. asking, how's your place? Because there's that personal connection. Yeah, it's just, and, it's a you know, deeper level. It's just, a, it's, yep. it's one step or maybe two steps deeper because you've, you've given up something of yourself as well. And so you've intrinsically trusted someone in a way that most people are probably scared to, you know, there's probably, probably even most people still listening to this are saying like, that, that sounds great. Like in theory, that sounds great. But just like your wife was saying, like, but I... I wouldn't let someone in my home. And I, I this is interesting because I was meeting with my realtor yesterday and she was talking to me, the Pope is coming to Philadelphia. And she was like, Travis, you know, I, I know I could like rent this out to people for like a lot of money because I'm right downtown. Everyone wants to see the Pope, this and that. But I'm so scared to do it. And I, I understand why she's never done it before. And so I think that with a home exchange, yeah, you're just a few levels deeper than a regular um, renter. And I think that it's because you've given up something of your own and you've, you've put faith in someone else and they've put faith in you. And that's a tough, that's a, that's a pretty strong bond, even if you haven't met them face to face. Well, the other shift I think you've made and I've made that I, I'm, I'm not saying you must make this because all of our stuff has value. Some has sentimental value. Some we saved a lot to afford. But when I went to Tokyo, Sony moved all my personal things in the U S into storage. And a year later I came back and we were in a different size home when we moved back. And nine years later, after nine years of storage, I paid to get it out. And this was incredibly valuable to me and meaningful and whatnot. And every month I wrote the check and all of it was, you know, sold, bartered, goodwill given away. And I realized I don't care about any of this anymore. And that was a big learning for me. I wrote the check every month for nine years. Sony paid for the first, and it 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 really wasn't that important to me. Yeah, so it, it is, and and I actually getting our home here prepared to Airbnb or home exchange because that's the next step in our evolution. Is now we're back. Let's get it ready to have people come through in in either a rental or an exchange way. And the things that I'm worried about are like my fifty dollar spear that I bought from an African warrior, not right. like my couch because I don't really like that couch. I don't want it to get ruined, but it's a couch, right? Like a spear I bought from this guy it was fifty bucks, but it's worth you know it's invaluable to me. It's such a mindset shift when it's like it's not about how much you spent; it's really about what it means to you. And you know, I could put that away. Like that's something I could put away and say, like, I just don't want anyone ruining it because if it does, it's hard to get back. But um, 
I, I think it's really, really neat what you guys are doing. We, we get a lot of people that have told us over the years, you know, hey, we're, we've been at this for 10 years. We're now building our fourth home or whatnot. And the way they approach the layout of their home shifts because of the sharing economy, <laughs> because of how they view their stuff. And they're, they, you know, there's now a closet for the spear. <laughs> right? There you so. go. H- have you seen, and uh, I was talking to uh, on this podcast with a, a girl named Charlie Grosso, and she does a lot of Airbnb in her place in New York City. And, and she actually gave me a really interesting perspective. She said, when I used to Airbnb it, I used to clean it out, like, you know, take all my personal stuff, you know, posters off the wall, pictures down, you know, the spear from Africa, put it away, put everything in an owner's closet so it wouldn't get ruined. And so she said my place kind of looked, it was, it was like nice, but it was fairly barren outside of like the furniture and the normal stuff. And she said, what I found was when I kept a lot of my stuff in there, that it was treated much better because people came in. And they realized it was mine. Like it was a home. It wasn't a whitewashed, you know, two bedroom apartment in New York City. It was like Charlie's pictures on the wall. Have you guys changed in the way that you've rented out? Like, have you put less stuff away or have you always just kind of made it your home that someone's coming into versus a more sterile environment? You know, uh, earlier you used the word gamut and it runs the gamut, but, uh, I think I've evolved where initially I preferred something that felt like a vacation rental and didn't have any clutter. I called it at the time and just, you know, felt like a hotel room. And as I've evolved and I'll give you a specific example, I actually prefer, especially someone that thinks the same way as me and, you know, as a sense of my, not when I say my taste, I don't mean contemporary or whatnot, but, uh, uh, I can tell a lot by pictures, whether I'd feel comfortable in a place. Right. And I don't, I, I certainly don't like clutter at the same time. We exchanged with a, a couple that lived in Bozeman, and and uh, he was a dentist, and she was a professor uh, of psychology. There was not an inch of the house that didn't have bookshelves built in walls, and it was so amazing. I kept telling my wife, "Man, I I just feel like I want to get to know these people." And uh, three days in, they did their call to see how everything was going, and I said, "You must have five thousand books here." can you recommend one of your favorites that's had an influence on your life that's changed, changed your life and whatnot. And, uh, the professor, you know, she gave me an incredible recommendation and it really, I quote the book all the time. Right. And the point is it was the fact that their books were there and the fact that their stuff was there and the fact they didn't strip it down and make it feel like a hotel room that was what gave me the connection and the collages all over the the wall, and I remember, uh, the, you know, the collages with their daughter's name, and their daughter was at college, and literally every year of their daughter's life was all over the walls. I felt like I knew them, and that is a big part of what made it special. Um, now, having said that, I personally wouldn't want a really cluttered home, but I think that there's a a balance to make it feel personal and make it feel like a family especially if you're a family trading with a family, um, that's one of the benefits. You know, you send the kids to the kids' room and my son says, who's playing with my toys right now, right? <laughs> so that's part of the perk, right? Yeah, yeah that's so really they're, they're, neat. They're, we all have our comfort zone and our balance and part of it is, like I said, 
earlier, the exploration and self-exploring and figuring out who you are and what your comfort zone is, you figure it out pretty quickly. And after about one exchange, if you don't get it quite right, you'll realize, well, I like this, 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 and this. I didn't like this and this. And you'll avoid the this and this the next time, and you'll be more inclined to find what meets your needs. Yeah, and I want to I want to touch on family travel just for a second, but before that, you can't leave us hanging. You have to tell us what book it is, at least, and we'll put it in the show notes. The title was "How Good People Can Disagree on Values." I I think the word was values, and it touched on religion and politics, and uh, the it, it, super interesting book because talking, especially after a few glasses of wine in mixed company around the world about religion and politics gets us all in hot water. And I think one of the best things you learn through travel, there's a Mark Twain quote of how it eliminates, you know, any sense of bigotry and helps you understand others. And that's why the book was so fitting because I strongly disagree with certain people about certain politics we won't talk about here. But understanding that good people can disagree with you on things coming from a really good place, you know, and that's why the book was so meaningful and fit right within my home exchange, you know, and, and made me better, made me a better home exchanger and a better manager of people with a whole slew of different views than me. Yeah, that's really neat. We will link that in the show notes, guys. So um, we'll find the exact title, put it in, we'll link it to Amazon so you can get it if you want to pick that up. With the family travel, one thing I want to touch on with you because now you have a family and you're traveling, you, you know, you've only really been traveling with home exchange kind of since you've had this family. You know, I get told all the time, you know, once you have kids, you won't be able to travel. It's so like, you know, people say like, good for you. Like they mean it in from a, a, a good place. Again, a good, they mean it heartfeltly. I just, if that's even a word, I just think they're wrong. Um, they say to me, you know, good for you getting all this out because once you have kids, you know, you're not going to be able to do this and you're not going to be able to travel and you should, that's really cool that you're going away again. And I look at them and, you know, I don't want to be rude. Sometimes they say, yeah, thank you, you know, but I'm thinking, well, wait, like these are the same people that maybe gave me the excuse eight years ago, like good for you travel in your twenties because when you turn 30, you're not going to be able to do it. Or when you get a real job, you know, there's always when this happens, you can't do this. But I don't have kids yet. So even in my head, even if I disagree, sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hey, wait, maybe you're right here. How has it been for you traveling with kids? How easy? How hard is it? You know, what has changed? And and what have you been able... Because you do do it a lot. So what are some of the... I don't want to say the secrets, but the things that you do that allow you to lead a life of travel, even though you have young children, where most people would say, I just can't do it. Like they've used that excuse. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll start by sort of a cliche, which is any worthwhile growth takes a uh, pretty worthwhile effort, right? And and by growth, you know, personal and and family. And if you want your children to be a top athlete or a, a top at academics, there's work involved, right? Uh, we made a decision early on that we wanted our kids to speak Italian. And there were many days that my wife and I struggled with whether that was the right decision because they were learning Italian and not speaking English early on because they're, you know, mom's the primary caregiver. And uh, I was missing their first sentences and their first words. And my Italian's a little behind. 
you know, at the get go, you have to make a decision of whether it's important to you and you're willing to make the commitment. But having said that, what I will say is, uh, without a doubt, not only does it get easier, uh, it gets easier as all of a sudden your kids say, Hey, I want that roller suitcase with Winnie the Pooh on the back. And you realize they're going to finally start caring, you know, and you say, are you going to carry your own stuff? Are you going to, it gets easier, but the rewards far outweigh the cost to me. And, uh, uh, just, a, a 15 second aside for the first trip ever this year, we were in Europe for two months. We told our son he could pack his own little roller suitcase. And for whatever reason, this was a learning experience for us. Uh, his mom, <laughs> her fault or me, we didn't check what he packed and we got all the way over here and running through airports and cross checks and whatnot. And he had filled it with his rock collection. His whole entire suitcase was filled with rocks. <laughs> boys will be boys, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. So, um, and now the big debate is how he gets it back home and whether we <laughs> let it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the first flight for a one or two year olds, the hardest, but then they're just at ease and they're looking forward to it. And, and you, the one kid that's screaming that you always say, that's why I don't want to travel with my kids. That's probably their first flight, you know? And I don't think it's, <laughs> there's probably some, uh, nature, but I think a lot of it is nurture and, my son used to be terrified by the metal detectors and they won't let him hold my hand when he goes through and he would start throwing a fit. Now he walks through, you know, so start him young is my best advice. And and I would assume too that, um, that traveling through home exchange has to be, I, I mean, looking at it from someone who doesn't have kids and hasn't done home exchange yet, I can see that it, it just seems so like there's so much more value doing it that way versus the hotels. I mean, for all the reasons that we've talked about as a regular traveler even, but then so much more with a family because not only is it cheaper then because you're getting, you know, a, a house instead of one or two hotel rooms, you know, or that are joined or stuff like this, but also like we've talked about the authentic travel experience. I mean, I think it's important for us as adults with the authentic travel experience but I can't even imagine what that's doing for your children who at five and six and seven are are doing these things, not really as a traveler, but more like more as a local. They're playing with toys that they never, Italian toys that they would never see in the US and asking those questions of who's playing with their toys. I just, it must be really neat to see them grow up in that manner. Yeah. And they, they get to understand different cultures. So they're not, they don't have a myopic view of a, a provincial view of how the world works. They have a world view. And I, I really like that. And, you know, just a note on hotels, honestly, hotels are a lot, lot, lot harder than uh, navigating a home. Uh, it, 99% of the time, if you think about it, you know, and you have kids that have lights out before you, even if they're willing to put extra beds in. And if you have two, three kids, what are you going to do? You get five hotel rooms, you know, uh, put, putting the cost aside, how do you put them to bed, keep an eye on them, listen to them cry in the middle of the night. A home is much more set up. So when you arrive, it really feels a lot like home. And, and there's also a lot of questions when you're in someone else's home that come from your kids. And they're usually uh, the out of the mouths of babes come the most enlightened 
questions and they're observing and they're looking on the wall and they're seeing the artwork and they're, they're seeing different ways of approaching life. And that's important um, to the point that uh, we're very actively debating and it's not a real debate. It's, you know, sort of a win. Um, we're trying to figure out when and if we can take our kids on the round the world one year home exchange and, and not have them suffer in any way from their education. And believe me, that would be a big commitment. Uh, but, uh, I think it's one we're pretty committed to in the next couple of years. So we believe in it. I, I have a few friends, uh, you know, when that comes about, I know a lot of people who have listened to this podcast before have heard me reference, uh, Sean Keener, who's the founder of boots and all, who's a good friend of mine, big proponent of round the world trips and, and family travel. And a, another lady who works with him, Jen Miller has had their family on the road for eight years, seven years. I might be getting that number wrong. It's somewhere in there. And, the, and to me, it's just, it's mind blowing because not having a kid, you know, I'm already worried like, well, you know, what about school? I mean, the big issue is, is obviously school. And, um, there's been a lot of people in that community and a lot of people that I've met who have done it. And it's just, you make it work. And usually, or I, I would say everyone that I've met has come back and their kids have just said, this is incredible. I mean, I, uh, another lady, um, from, I don't know if you know the site called family on bikes. They took a three year journey from the top of North America all the way down to the tip of Argentina. And, uh, their kids were like, I think eight and six when they started. So, I mean, people, you know, thought they were crazy, right? Like what you're going to go on a three year trip with these kids. What are they going to do? You know, and they homeschooled them throughout the way. And these kids will have experiences that, you know, all but a thousand kids in this world will never have. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. So when you're starting to get that rolling, let us know. And uh, we love to follow your journey with that because that's, I think a big, a thing that a lot of people want to do, but just never even try because they just think this is too out of the box. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, as a parent, you want to be really responsible and you don't want to be impulsive and do something because it sounds fun and, and cool. It's, uh, I think the main reason we do it is not because the, the answer to, was it fun? I think it's the answer to, what kind of uh, kids do we want to raise? How do we want them to view the world? You know, when we hand them off into adulthood, uh, do we think they would be better off with with this and with us, <laughs> frankly, right. sheltering them to to some extent, but also exposing them? Uh, so we're we're, uh, we're 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 still at the planning stage and working through the details, but we're a huge advocate and believer in it. Well, I will be very interested to see how that progresses because at some point, uh, that is our goal as well. And um, we're talking in the future here because we don't even have kids yet. We're already planning to take them around the world. So I think that's a good mindset to start with. Lots of good stuff we hit on here, Jim. The, of course, one more question. The last question I have to ask you. One of my favorites to ask and a listener favorite. I think people would be upset if I didn't ask you this. Is that everyone assumes that veteran travelers, you know, we have it all together and you've been traveling quite a bit. In reality, usually I find that the opposite is true. The more you travel, the more goofy things happen to you. So do you have a travel mishap, a funny travel mishap that's happened to you that sticks out in your mind that you just think, I cannot believe that A, maybe you did this and it caused some big debacle like when I got stuck in Singapore because my passport or just something that happened to you guys that when you look back on, you think, 
yeah, this is this is why I travel. This was funny, maybe not funny at the time, but in the long run, it's like a, an experience that you'll remember forever. Well, uh, I, I'm going to retell the story I alluded to with just a little more detail. I've, o- over the years, I had this epiphany a couple years ago that the uh, highest stress levels for my wife and myself are the days we travel, and usually they're around the amount of uh, time we give ourselves uh, and the amount we pack, right? And that's my, my I'm going to convert this into a mathematical equation that correlates to stress at some point. And we have some debate on that over the years. And my wife likes to bring a lot of stuff and she feels if she's not running to the gate that we're wasting time. So that's uh, uh, probably our single biggest difference in our uh, uh, relationship. And uh, she handles uh, the packing for our kids. And this year, we agreed that my son could bring his own bag because he's old enough and he should be managed and be responsible for it. Uh, so she told him to pack his own bag and everything was ready. And she agreed this year for the first time that uh, we're going to have all our packing done five days before we leave. And it was one of the smoothest days we've ever had. Uh, we got to the airport early. Uh, we actually got a hotel near the airport so we could get to the airport early. It wouldn't be stressful. We and we had a, a, a medium amount of luggage, and uh, uh, then we arrived at the Venice airport. And you know, if you know anything about Italian organization, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's lacking it's, or there is it, none. Lines are irrelevant, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, you're trying to get into your rental car, and it was a heat wave, and it was 114 degrees, and we're standing out. And of course, we get to the rental car and a station wagon in English does not translate to a station wagon uh, in Italian at all. And our bags couldn't fit. And I'm running around and she's fortunately speaks Italian. So she's navigating the situation. And I'm literally running back and forth carrying all the stuff. Her kids are asleep, you know, pretty much in my arms. And I'm carrying my son's baggage. And she upgrades the car, and we, you know, we just sque- barely squeeze the the last bag in, and uh, that's the punchline I alluded to earlier. We, we we get to the house, and we start you know unloading and unpacking, and I unzip my son's bag, and it was forty pounds of rocks <laughs> that he brought. So he brought his rock collection. And I was, I ended up as he was asleep, responsible for it. I ended up uh, dragging it all over with him on my shoulders. And it, part of the reason we couldn't fit everything in the first rental car was because we let him bring his own bag. <laughs> and it was a bag of rocks. So, and this was uh, six weeks ago. I'm sure I have many, many stories that top this, but this is really fresh in my mind well, as one of them. One of the highlights of this trip. And that is, I think that's appropriate, man. You prepared as much as you could five days in advance. He had his rocks ready. So, um, no, that's really neat. And I think that speaks to the joys of travel because now you can look back and say, yeah, that really was frustrating when it happened. But now we have this story to tell into infinity of my son and his rocks. I'm sure he'll grow up and uh, probably tell that story to all his friends. So you'll get a lot of mileage out of it. That's for sure. True. True, 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 true. Jim, thank you so much for pulling yourself away from the beautiful country of Italy and and the food and ha- taking the time to come chat uh, with me and, and with the listeners. I absolutely love the mission for you personally, also the mission of Home Exchange and everything we've talked about and just the idea that 
it doesn't have to be super expensive. It doesn't have to be, hey, I'm flying above the culture. But really, you know, you're digging in, you're living in someone's home, and you're building these bonds. And that everyone who listens knows it's what I say. The, the best travel experiences are because of the people that you meet. And that's what Home Exchange is doing. It's facilitating a way to have authentic travel and meet people who really then can become lifelong friends. So I just want to personally thank you for taking this neat idea that's existed for, I think you said, 23 years and really just you know, getting it out there to people and spreading the message and allowing people to have these awesome travel experiences. Can you remind people, we're going to give them everything in the show notes as well, but how can they come uh, connect with you if they have questions or with your team and also, you know, where they can go if they're interested and they've listened to this and they're like, hey, this is for me. Home Exchange is great. I want to check it out. Where can they go and find all that stuff? Sure, sure. Uh, we're at homeexchange.com. And if you're in another language, it will redirect to your language. Uh, and I'm really easy to reach. Uh, I'm pretty connected almost 365 days a year uh, when I can. I'm at jim at homeexchange.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. And guys, of course, you can find the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. So all the show notes will be in there. We'll link up everything that Jim and I talked about here, including the book and homeexchange.com and everything like that. So if you're listening on a mobile device, head there. You can check all that out. Um, we also want to thank Tortuga Backpacks, our awesome sponsor for the show. If you're looking for the best travel backpack of any size, you can find it over at tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget, use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. That will get you 10% off your entire order. Jim, thank you again so much for coming on. I had a blast chatting with you for an hour and 44 minutes total. That was awesome. What well, was a lot of fun. Thank you uh, so much. You, you had great questions, and uh, I think we probably have a lot more to talk about if we can ever uh, <laughs> find a chance to get together in person. That's right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today, for all the ongoing support, and, of course, for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And until next time... Happy free travels with Home Away. I'll show you-